0: Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. I'm here with Bill Hinks. He is a, uh, came to South Dakota at the age of 22 to settle in Sioux Falls and, and just do some miraculous work in the area of furniture sales. Um, and, and has just left a legacy of just uh, uh, that's really impressive, um, but just done some outstanding other things also. So, Bill, if you would just kind of tell us your story, um, sure, and, and how you came about to be in South Dakota and, and some of your accomplishments.
1: Okay, well, well I actually um, I, I was going to school in oh. Superior, Wisconsin, okay. a branch there of the university, and uh, you know I started out I loved basketball mm-hmm. from the time, and I had some issues with blood pressure, but I found a way to get uh, past the doctor so I could play basketball in the little town of Siren for for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I just took took him into the doctor and he passed my exam for me so I got to play. But uh, you know, from there I went to college at South Dakota, or at, uh, uh, at uh, uh, a branch of the University of Wisconsin in Superior. Okay. And I, I tr- attempted to get on the, the basketball team and soon found out that that, uh, that the coach actually gave me a week to see how I would do. And I, I came in and told him, you know, I really don't think this is going to fit. And he said, thanks for the, thanks for the help on that. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he was going to tell me that same day that I didn't fit. So, you know, the second thing I loved was music. So I decided to switch over to, to the music, the music end of it. And uh, when, I, when I finally ran out of money after a period of time there, and uh, i was always selling things from the time i was a little kid i sold greeting cards in saint paul i took a, a, a little little um, thing to uh, a, a little uh, cart or wagon to the the the, the, uh, the ice show that saint paul used yeah. to have i don't sure. think they have it anymore and sold hot chocolate there was always things going on where i'm trying to make money and i right. find things where i could i'd make money but in those latter years after getting out of school, my uncle, who, who had lived in South Dakota all his life, mm-hmm. you know, and worked for Rich Brothers Fireworks, I okay. uh, had been been calling and talking to me, lots and lots about South Dakota and particularly Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And he keeps saying, "Boy, you know, I think you could really make it big here in South Dakota because we're a growing city. Things are going to be good, and uh, I just I just think you should move here." So, so at, at that point. I I had gotten married at the end of school there and was expecting a baby in four or five months. So we loaded up a car and drove to Sioux Falls, South Dakota and rented a place that very day. And I found a job that very afternoon. Uh, I was was peddling pop, you know. And uh, I went to my first store in Canton and all I did was pick up a whole truckload of pop bottles and when I brought them back to the pop guy, uh, he just looked at that and said, Oh, wonderful. I got my empties back. Now I can do something. So from that point, uh, a week later, I was hired by Pepsi Cola to, to sell pop too. So I sold pop for a while and from that I went into selling bread for Old Home Bakery. Right, right. And, uh, and I got on a bread route and I learned a lot of things on a bread route with the competition because it was really tough. I mean things you know the competition between the three bakeries. They took turns buying the bread rack from the grocery store owner, or doing many things that you found out that if you're gonna if you're gonna make it work, you had to you had to roll with everything. And I remember some things I did that that uh, you know where I got even that, that then it stopped. You know I used to have a guy. Uh, he was about six seven, and he was a bread man for Wonder Bread, and he, we we both had the college at South Dakota State. So he would pick up my things, ride them around in his truck for about three weeks, and then throw them back in there, and they'd be moldy green. So so the, the cooks there would would really get on me, you know, for, for, for doing that, you know, not giving them fresh bread. And I tried to tell them, and they just loved this guy. They wouldn't believe a word of it. So, uh, you know, I had to have my own little trick. So one morning at 4 o'clock, I pulled into Baltic, and uh, he had just been there. So I took all of his loaves of bread over to the the the, uh, the, the box, you know, where you could pump pump. Uh, um, I, I don't know what we were pumping out of there then, but but something. I think vinegar. Okay. So yeah, that's what it was, vinegar. So I I, I took about twenty of those loaves of bread over there, opened them up a little, gave him gave him two shots of vinegar, and then the next morning, you know, he had been called in by Cora Prespo, the, the lady that ran that grocery store and got his got his butt chewed. So he came around to the back of my 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 bread truck the next day and said to me, "Do we have peace?" And I said, "We have peace." So from that point on, we were we were friends. And but that was a continuous thing, you know, in the grocery business. And growing up as a kid, I was in the grocery business. My right. folks had a small grocery store in Siren. So you, you know, from that job, I ended up going back to school at South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a wonderful thing. I needed something to do up there, so I, I bought a filling station, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of knew a little bit about that. So I started running that, and I ran that for five years while I finished school part time and doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in a couple of the last two years, I got involved in the, the mobile home business. Okay. So uh, I got a hold of a company that that uh, you, you know wanted wanted a dealer in Brookings. So I had a, a really good attorney friend that turned out to help me get the money I needed to start this this mobile home business and of course it, it wasn't much of a gamble because because the, uh, the the bank you know was told that if if I didn't make it they'd take it all back and pay for all of it they did a letter like that and I, I dealt with a really good good uh, bank from that town that now is quite a bit all over South Dakota so uh, you know that was a pleasant time. Uh, we had we had some good business in Brookings, and then we opened a Brookings, we opened a, a store in uh, in Sioux Falls. Okay. So we then we were, had two had two mobile home spots. So from that I ended up getting in the housing business in in land development. Everything just kind of rolled rolled along, right. okay. and I had opportunities. And so uh, you know I found a banker that would. A partner with me, he'd put up the money, and I'd put up the, you know, what it took to get that stuff going. So we bought some lots, and uh, bought some more land, and put in, uh, put in forty, forty-seven houses, at uh, at one spot that we had in, uh, in Sioux Falls, Mm -hmm. and uh, that that business turned out to be pretty good. Right. But you know, I found that dealing in the house business that um, you know, it was really dependent on interest rates and what was going on. So uh, you know, I, I had a friend of mine that was in Florida that had been in the mobile home business and he got in the furniture business and he really loved it. So he, he called me up one day and said, you gotta come down here and see this Florida business, it's uh, furniture, mm-hmm. he says it's really fun because you're seeing new things all the time, new fabrics, new colors, he says it's just wonderful, you would really like it. So I, I, I flew to to um, uh, one of the markets, you know, in uh, North Carolina is the major one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I got in there and met with Kenny, who was my friend, and we looked at product. And uh, in the past, before I left, I had built a building across the street from where our lot was, our sales lot was. Okay. And uh, I had told myself I was going to, going to fix mobile homes Run the mobile home inside these doors on the far end, and then we could repair whatever needed to be pre- repaired or put carpet in or do do whatever. And uh, so um, that uh, that never saw a mobile home because ordered this furniture stuff and it came in there, and uh, we got a truck of upholstery, a truck of, of lamps and those kind of things. And then and then uh, then we also bought bought uh, bought some beds. We started out in the furniture business, you know, in a little store, 14,000 square feet. We had some big competitors in Sioux Falls. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, it seems like when you like something a lot, you put more into it, you Mm -hmm. know? We looked around for somebody that knew something about furniture and found a young kid that had been in college but had been in furniture for a year already. And by this time, I'd already had a partner that also was in the mobile home business. That kind of liked the furniture business too, so I kind of took him in as a as a partner, and he and I found David, who was our young young kid from right. college, and uh, you, you know you can you can learn that bit furniture business quite easy if you're willing to take the time to learn fabrics, and it's not very difficult to pick it up. So so as we went along, you know, we hired a couple more people, you know, and and we weren't doing a whole lot of business, but we thought we were. Okay. We thought we were really cleaning up and our competition was gonna really feel this because we were starting to make some sales. Sure. And about that time, we took took one of our guys and took him to Mitchell and put some furniture in Mitchell and started a furniture business in Mitchell. So that was our, our first store there. And that was in 1977 Okay, that we, we actually started out. And uh, of course, in those days, a pickup was forty-five hundred dollars could buy a brand new pickup for forty-five right. hundred dollars because we bought two of them. I always told people that furniture was something that had never gone up in the forty years that I was in it. Now the last couple of years it's taken some jumps, but uh, in those first forty years, you know, I could go back and look at furniture that sold for the same price that it sold for forty years later. Really, and and in lots of times, the the product was better because they'd. Taking more time to get the fabric, make sure the fabric was done right, and all the all the things to make to make that product. You know, one of the real key things in the industry you learn that early is you got to learn how to take care of a customer. Mm-hmm. They have a problem, you got to you got to fix it. You got to show them you care about them, right. and you care about what they bought. So uh, we at uh, we had, we kept we kept growing, and eventually those two stores you know, started to do mm-hmm. do pretty well. So it got to a point that about three or four years later, you know, we thought, you know, I think it's time to put a store, you, you know, in this, try to get closer to the cities. Because, you know, that was really where the, where uh, all the, all the uh, competition was going and where you could see with that many people, right. they were certainly going to sell more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we kept, um, you know, buying a truck or two whenever we could get the money together to do it. And uh, then we started to find companies that we felt we could really grow with. One company that I got extremely lucky with, and I think anybody that, that works hard at trying to find what you're searching for, you know, and if you're gonna spend the time to, to, to just just kind of get out, look it all over so you know what you're really attempting to do. And, and And sales, sales is a great, is something great to go into, you know, just because you, you find yourself if you like people, you know, and you really feel like you 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 know you can you can help them find what they're looking for, you're going to be successful. That was one of our big challenges was to actually find people and teach them that you know they weren't out just to make a sale. They were out to find something that a customer really liked and really enjoyed, and then we'd make a, a good, clean delivery. And it, it wasn't long, and that customer would come back. So, uh, so our first store in the cities yeah, came about 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 60 miles south of Minneapolis. Okay. And that uh, that was in 1993, and about that same time, I ran into to to Ron Wanick that right. had to come into the business. <clears> you <throat> know, uh, when he got out of the service, he. Uh, uh, re- really felt that he didn't want to go back to the farm and farm, and I can appreciate that. It was like, you know, me getting out of college and go back into my family's furniture store. That was <clears throat> it was a struggle for th- them to make enough just for them, being open, you know, 10 or 12-hour days, seven days a week, seven in the morning to eight at night lots of times. So, uh, y- you know, this, uh, this furniture business w- was just so interesting because... It was a continuous change. Change of colors, change of fabrics. Things were always getting better. Everybody was working. And when Ron Wanek uh, became a really good friend and he started out making end tables. Okay. So, so I bought everything he made mm-hmm. and we put them in our stores. And of course, in those days you also, he made some curio cabinets. It's really funny, but in these days, curio cabinets hardly sell at all. Okay. And there's nobody that collects anymore. They just don't. The kids of today are not collectors, and they're not so much uh, pictures either, like of wildlife and those kind of things. Right. You know, we sold a lot of those those things when we were in it early, but but uh, really nowadays, that's that's not a it's not a big purchase at all. Yeah. So so, so
0: you start off with just <clears throat> a small operation yes, there, in yes, Brookings, yeah. and today, how big did you, did your company get?
1: Well, it, it, got, uh, it got to the point we were doing about, um, y- you know, in the early years, I think our stores all together, we were, were doing about six or seven million. Wow. You know, and we were very close to the best as far as spending money and getting it delivered and all of those things. And uh, we were also very reasonable in the price. We always made sure we were a little bit under mm. <coughs> where the competitors sure. were. And it, and then it got where the competitors got smarter. So you know when you're competing, you've always got to be analyzing what's going on around you mm-hmm. and make sure that you're 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 making the that you're making the mark that you're shooting for. Right. So we found where we we could we could charge 25 percent, you know, and make it because we had a very low low nut. Right. We we put a store up in Medford, which was about 60 miles out of out of the cities, and we re- really stayed low at about 20% margin. And we had people driving from the cities, clear out there, you know, and we, we just did fantastic. In fact, about the first, uh, the second or third year, we did 12 million just in that one store. And we thought we hit a home run there, and we did. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as you watch your competitors, you find out that they get smart too. Yeah. So then the competitors who had many more stores were going to get com- competitive to us. So they went to the manufacturers and said, if you sell that guy, we're done with you. Yeah. So then, then we started to find out we were getting, we, we weren't getting the product that we wanted. So, you know, those, those kind of things just keep you fresh mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you keep deciding, well, what am I going to do to com- combat this? And where do I need to be? So then short, shortly after that, we opened a store, north of the cities and call that store North Branch. And, and it was in North Branch. Okay. It was about 40 miles the other side of the cities. So so there we were trying to surround the cities, but we still didn't have guts enough to go right in the cities. <laughs> right. now, so we're looking at that, oh, that's the big time. I don't know if we can do it. But but you know, there's never a wall you can't, can't climb if you, you feel strong enough and know you're gonna work hard enough right. to get there. And know that this business is going to mature and it's going to get better and you're gonna you're gonna do better and more people will sell you. There, there was a while Broyhill furniture major, major company, but they wouldn't sell us because our name was Unclaimed Freight. Right. That's the name we picked that my friend right. in Florida had, and he did very well with it. You know, we had we had people look at it and say, well why is it unclaimed? And then we had to think of something so we would tell them, well it's unclaimed until you claim it you know then, then they look at you and now now how did that how how does that go around you know but uh, you, you know we found really that that uh, if we we worked hard and you know got those deliveries out and just a little at a time we started to grow a store at a time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and 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 uh, you know you always feel when something's going like that that you you know i, I think you need to pray often right. i think you right. need to, need to ask god for his help and uh, I think you get it. I really do. I've I've had more things, more walk in. You know, we open a store and be like, boy, where are we going to get people? And all of a sudden, someone will walk in and say, you know, I'm moving to Minneapolis from Denver. I worked for a Denver furniture company. I ran one of their stores. Come on in. <laughs> you know, so so people, people are so important. So for whatever you choose and what you want to do, if you can find the people that dream the same dream you dream and find a way to pay them well and to make sure that they're they're in the program you know and we we found ways that we can we can show those people that are really are really in it how they can make money and they can set up a loan sure. you know we, we set up a program for for people where they can own you know par, part of a furniture store you it's know it. so uh, and then we keep telling them you, you know well you're going to own you're going to own a part of this one now we're gonna have one over here. Uh, you can be in a part of that one too, if we can work this out and get you down a little bit of what you owe, because you're gonna, you're gonna have about a 25% increase in the value of your money if we can keep going like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's, uh, that's how we really got it off the ground. I so you
0: know, as so, you look back over, over your career <coughs> and, and, and all the different things you've done, which is just amazing, uh, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment?
1: Well, you, you know, as I was working, you know, in the furniture sales, I was also looking at land. I mm. always had this love for, for finding ground or finding a, ter- a, a property that will be so uh, seeable from outside. You know, where are you? Uh, oh, we're, we're hidden over in back of the, some grocery store right. over, that's where a building is. You know, you've got to be aware that you need activity, you need traffic going by where you are. You know, one of the first things we did in one of our stores was, uh, but I'd I'd always, you know, really get to know that property before I would do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just sat on trying to find out, well, what do they do, what's, what do the stores around there do on Saturday and Sunday? How much business are they doing? And from that time on, when I started to find out what that was like, you know, th- then, then I knew that, that the whole uh, chance of us really growing was to just really get focused on something that you know is going to pull traffic and that can supply earnings to put you to the next one. Well, absolutely. See, and uh, there was some, there was a couple of chance, times, there was one where I, I, uh, I, I was riding around on a snowy day up, up in, uh, uh, in the, just out of the cities. Um, they, they have a little little thing up there, mm-hmm. a bunch of stores in, in Elbertville. I don't know whether you've heard about that or ever shopped up there. Yeah. But uh, you know, they were just building that, that complex up there when I got up there and it was snowing like crazy. And there was a trailer there where all the builders <coughs> were that were building that whole complex of, uh, of properties. You know, so that there were all kinds of properties that, that uh, were selling at a little less Value, you know, so uh, I drove to that trailer. I got through the snow drifts and got over there and went in there and, and uh, Talked to him and found out the guy that was in charge of it. And I said to him, you know, what do you have available? I think this complex is going to be really good. Do You have any kind of spots available for a furniture store. He says well I have one spot <clears throat> and uh, Said I have a guy that looked at this a month ago and said he wanted it and I said well you need to get a get a deposit in here on this, sometime in the next four or five weeks. And he says, I haven't heard a thing from him. And he showed me where it was and it was right where you come into the property. Mm-hmm. It was right on the left-hand side. And I thought, wow, is that a hot property? So uh, I told him, he told me that if you wait for about 10 more days and I don't hear anything, I'm not gonna call him, but I don't hear, he liked that I come in there in the snowdrifts. So uh, he said, I'll give you a ring and you you come by and we'll make a deal. Right. So uh about ten days later I get a call and the next morning I'm in my car and headed for that that uh that guy in Elbertville ended up buying that piece of property and it turned out being being a great piece of property and of course a competitor of mine that had it, it was just a little slower. Right. You know, so so then there's things you need to do just just be on top of what you're trying to yeah. do.
0: Uh, you know, so, Bill, your your story is just amazing. We're running <clears> a little. Uh, this has been an amazing conversation. But you know, uh, just kind of to wrap up, what you know, if those young young people that are out there in South Dakota, yeah, um, and 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 seeing your success, what is the, the one thing that you would tell them um, about you know how to how to how to be successful like you've been?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think the I think the real secret is, you know, if you're going to choose a target. Or choose what you want to do. You've got to look at it enough to decide whether you love it enough to work very hard, or whether you don't. Whether there's something else you might want to do or try. You know, and uh, you know I think that's what we found. The people that that uh, you know, and and you got to be persistent. Like I called on Broil for 15 years, you know, as unclaimed freight, and they kept saying, "I'm not. We can. We're not going to sell furniture to us." Company with a name like Unclaimed Freight, so finally when we started to get get a a lot of business, you know, then they came around and said, you know, don't you have another name you could use? And we did. We changed. We we left our Unclaimed Freight name for all the stores in South Dakota, and then the names in the other areas we called it called it uh, Furniture Mart. Okay. So uh, that uh, became our other name. So Unclaimed Freight was in was all in. South Dakota, you know, and Furniture Mart became our name up around the cities and all that. Mm-hmm. And this last year, in 21, we were chosen the top furniture company of large furniture companies in the nation. Wow. And that was an award I would have never dreamed in a million years because there's a lot of stores five, six times bigger than we are. But uh, we, we did pretty good volume, we did well. And then Ashley Furniture gave us another award, our third as their top dealer. So, so the, you know, those awards just just push you forward and make you make you go more. You know, and I think I, I think if you get in a business that you love, and you find out that it's that that you can grow it, and you can get the right people to help you do it, you know, I think that's that's the answer to to getting in a business and staying in it and making sure that you're, you're finding the right people that are going to want to go with you.
0: Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.